are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a April 13th, Friday, day before the playoff start edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia-Gunderson, editor and writer of LeBron Wire, part of the NBA Wire sites for USA Today, and former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian and your host here of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to the show. It is a Friday. It is the day before the playoffs, and we have a special podcast for you. We have Jake Madison, the co-host of Locked On Pelicans, on with me to talk about the matchup, talk about uh, the different matchups, the chess pieces that are, are moving in the playoffs that uh, really make the postseason a different kind of basketball. And, uh, you know, we're very excited for the postseason to start and uh, very excited for this series, which starts tomorrow night in about uh, 36 hours down at the Moda Center. Portland versus New Orleans at 7.30 is game one on Saturday. Game two is on Tuesday. So 7.30 start for this one. We're the late game on Saturday night. It's at home at the Moda Center, of course. Portland clinched home court advantage with the Pelicans' victory over the Spurs the other night. And then they also clinched the third seed by beating Utah So, and the division. So uh, congratulations to Portland for all those accomplishments. But we are getting into the matchups. We are getting into the nitty-gritty of the playoffs. So we have a fun conversation here with Jake Madison from Locked On Pelicans. We're, we're going through the matchups. We're talking about this. Uh, a little bit of a warning. My audio is not great. Uh, I was Skyped in uh, on this one, uh, and so I, I was not able to get to my mic. So my audio is not quite as great as it normally is, of course, that here on Lockdown Blazers. Uh, but uh, the, the analysis is great. It's really fun. Jake and I had a lot of fun. We're going to do it again once we get some games in here. But we're talking about game one. We're talking about the game plans. I think we're going to see you know both teams really feeling each other out, especially given Portland's past in the playoffs of kind of coming in to game one with a, a more straight-up game plan and then adjusting from there. But uh, it's going to be a fun series, and I uh, really appreciate Jake's perspective on the Pelicans. So I hope you enjoy this Locked On Pelicans, Locked On Blazers crossover. The crossover Locked On podcast this week for the playoffs. As you guys know, I'm Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, host of Locked On Pelicans, joined by Eric Gunderson here of Locked On Blazers. Eric, just for my audience, let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter. Oh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric, E-R-I-K underscore Gunderson, and that's Gunderson with an E-N. I don't know how many of your listeners will know that that's, you know, but anyway, uh, that, that is it, at Eric underscore Gunderson on Twitter. So let's just kind of dive right into everything. How are you feeling about this matchup with the Pelicans going into the first round? You know, um, I, over the weekend, I kind of re- reached this realization that none of the matchups were going to be an easy walkover path and that all these teams that Portland could have potentially faced 
you know, all bring like some really big strengths to the table that are going to be tough. And I think, you know, the Pelicans are going to be a tough matchup. I, but I think Portland can beat them. And I think they, I think they can win this series. Um, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Anthony Davis gives problems to everybody, but I think that, you know, the guard play for Portland, uh, you know, can be uh, an advantage, even though, you know, the Pelicans have done a great job kind of filling in on the guard, you know, on the wings in the backcourt all season. Yeah, you know, th- that's, I think, going to be, there's a number of key matchups. And obviously, when it comes to Portland, you're going to start with the backcourt of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And in the four games that these two teams have played, they're two and two with each other so far this season, each team winning one at home and one on the road. So they've kind of split everything fairly evenly. But the biggest thing that I saw when kind of looking at some of the film, and there's really one game we need to analyze a lot, is that the Pelicans have done a fairly good job of containing that backcourt and not allowing both of those guys to kind of go off against them. No, yeah, you're you're one hundred percent true, especially in that the the most I think relevant game when you know trying to figure out how this is how this one's gonna play out uh, is the one that happened on March twenty seventh, and you know Dame went off in that game, but CJ McCollum had seven points, uh, and so uh, I'm sure the Pelicans would take that, you know, one of them going crazy instead of just you know, instead of both of them going nuts. Uh, which is, you know, definitely possible. But, you know, I mean, Drew Holiday is is an excellent defender. Uh, when he, he has all the tools to, to be that excellent defender, he can really give guys problems. And then, you know, I'm excited to see what Rondo is going to do. Playoff um, Rondo. That's one of the, yeah, that, that's one of my more – that was one of the things I was talking about last night once we realized that it was going to be this matchup after the Pelicans beat the Spurs was, you know, Rondo was looking really good in that game against San Antonio last night. And, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I mean, got to be ready for Rondo. Yeah. And he, he kind of does what the Pelicans need him to do. And playoff Rondo is a thing, which I'm really looking forward to seeing. And one of the things he really helps the Pels do is kind of push pace and push the tempo. And since the DeMarcus Cousins injury, New Orleans has led the league in pace, trying to play in transition, get those easy shots at the rim, because in the half court, this team kind of slogs and they're prone to scoring droughts. Portland, though, doesn't want to play that fast, right? No, uh, I mean, Terry Stotts, in in general, like in a vacuum, Terry Stotts is very about, you know, pushing the pace and and getting up and getting the ball moving and and moving. But, you know, the personnel, obviously, Damon CJ, they can, you know, pull up from three in transition, and that's really tough. But, uh, you know, most of their stuff, they're running – you know, they're, they're running a bunch of actions and, and trying to really run through their plays. And with Nurkic especially, who, uh, you know, isn't slow, but is definitely more of a plotter uh, on the on both ends. You know, that's not the type of style that's, you know, really going to set up nicely for him. Uh, and so he's good at running the floor sometimes. But the Blazers aren't, aren't really, a, haven't been a great transition team all year. So it's not one of the things that they're going to look to do. But in the playoffs, I do think they still need to be uh, vigilant for opportunities because you know how, you know, even in the play, you know how in the playoffs, like every basket, every possession matters. And if you can squeeze out a couple of easy buckets where you don't have to really grind against a set defense, I mean, you got to take that. So it, they have to find the right balance of like knowing when to run and, and execute it. 
Yeah, and my concern is that Pelicans transition offense trying to get out and run, but this Portland defense has been very good all year. Depending on where you look, they're ranked 8th or ninth, and they do a good job really limiting opponents. Is that more Nurkic doing rim protection or how? what's kind of turned them around? Because Portland's never really been known as like this kind of defensive team. Well, I think it, I think it's a couple of things. I think I think a full season of Nurkic has really helped just the overall health of the defense. Last year, uh, there was a stretch where they didn't have Al Farouk Aminu for a month, and then during that month that they didn't have him, and when Mason Plumley was the starting center, they were on pace to be one of the worst defenses of all time. And then they traded Nurk. They started to get really good, and this year. The same thing happened where they lost Aminu, but Nurkic was in there, and they were like a top three defense when Aminu was out. And he was probably regarded as Portland's best defender. So I think Nurkic and the rim protection has a lot to do with that. And I think the other thing that has to do a lot with that is just the emphasis the team made. And I think Damian Lillard uh, really, you know, making this a deal and making this a big thing that he wanted to get better at. And uh, he's been criticized a lot in his career for his defense at the point of attack and kind of not getting around on screens and things like that. And he's just been, you know, he's been working really hard at that. And he, him being better at the point of attack has been really important for Portland's defensive improvement this year. That Nur- is part Nurkic, but I think Dame has also elevated his play. I think that's why, you know, a lot of people are considering him to be, you know, potentially first team all NBA, top five MVP you know, candidate because he has upped his defensive intensity this year. Yeah, they and they've looked good there. And I pulled the numbers with Davis with, with Davis's offensive rating with Nurkic on the court is a hundred point nine, and when Nurkic is off, it's a hundred and twenty point three. And then you look at how Nurkic affects the guards in the backcourt too. And some of this has to do, as you said, with the bigger effort Lillard's put out there. Holiday has a ninety eight point seven offensive rating with Nurkic on, and it jumps to one twenty one point two with him off. So to me, he's one of the really big keys in this series. At least on the defensive side of the ball, and the Pelicans just need to play in transition to kind of get around him and not have to worry with that rim protection that he's going to provide. Yeah, no, that's going to be a, a really interesting matchup in this series. Is you know who dictates the pace and, and who can dictate the pace, and I think that's going to be a really interesting battle uh, within this series because, as you mentioned, you know the biggest strength of this Pelicans team is running the floor getting out in transition with Rondo and, and moving the ball up the court. And, and, you know, Portland has been a much better transition team, but, you know, they want to control the pace more. But uh, I'm really excited for that. And, and this is the type of stuff that I love about the playoffs. You know, when, when you get the contrasting styles that where teams are really trying to kind of impose their will, and, it, it, you know, that really becomes really important. Yeah, that's so before we hit to something with imposing their will, because there's, I think, a big edge for Portland that I'm going to touch on in a moment here. And we'll get your take on it as well is don't forget, these are the playoffs. There's a lot going on. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Blazers, Locked on Pelicans, daily podcast coming to you. No one else is doing this sort of thing. Keep up with your favorite team in the playoffs and keep up with your opponent. Be the smartest NBA fan you can be. So. 
One of the things I think where you said there's a lot of contrasting styles here, and one of the real big areas that jumps out to me is rebounding, where New Orleans has not been a great defensive rebounding team this whole year. They rank 21st. And then you've got Portland, who's the ninth best offensive rebounding team by percentage and also the fifth best defensive rebounding team by percentage. And a lot of times the team that wins the rebounding battle can kind of control tempo. What have they done so well that's made them effective there and why they're one of the top 10 rebounding teams? You know, I that was one of the, the things that I looked at in the beginning of the season because, you know, Portland, as you mentioned just in the last segment, you know, this Blazers team has not been known as a defensive team. But they did have a couple of guys in Nurkic, Aminu, Ed Davis, Harkless, who can really rebound well. And I, and, uh, I, I think that, that was, that's a huge reason why they – are improved defensive teams because they've gotten better on the glass, on the defensive glass especially, and then their offense rebounding has improved has improved as well this year, mostly because of Ed Davis. I mean, Ed Davis is an incredible offensive rebounder, and last year he just wasn't the same. He had a shoulder injury that he suffered the year before, and it kind of caught up with him, and he just wasn't the same guy. But this year, he's really been great, really consistent off the bench, and uh, has been a big reason of, that their offensive rebounding has, has really improved. And then Nurkic as well, you know, can really battle for those second chances. And I think that, you know, those are really key for Portland, as you mentioned, because not only is it key for the getting extra possessions, but you know, not only you're getting extra possessions, but a lot of times when you get the offensive rebound, you're either getting a layup or the defense is scrambling trying to get a rebound and you get an open three. And so, uh, you know, those those extra possessions and offensive rebounds are going to be really important for Portland. And they have been for the Blazers for the last three years, ever since Ed Davis has been here, really. Yeah, and if you go back to that game on March 27th, the last time these two teams played where Portland won 107-103, they had 17 offensive rebounds and 27 second-chance points. And you can kind of look at it and just see, well, that was the difference right there. And that's the thing that scares me most, I think, as a Pelicans guy, because also, when you score on those putbacks and those offensive rebounds, you're, you have to inbound the ball, and the defense has a time to get set, and then the Pelicans can't get out and run, and you're forced into half court where this Pelicans team doesn't shoot particularly well. From your perspective, though, what, do you, what are you most worried about when it comes to the Pels? You know, I'm, I'm really obviously worried about Anthony Davis. I, I mean, that, that is the, the biggest fear. I think he's the best player, individual player in the series, uh, just in terms of all the stuff that he can do. I mean, you can make the argument that Dame is, could be there, but I mean, Davis in terms of physicality, what he can do with his size, what he can do with the rim, uh, above the rim. I mean, all these things that he can bring to the table are uh, really big concerns for me. I, I think Alfaru Camino is going to be on him pretty much the entire series uh, because of the, that's usually who they play they're like the best post scorers on. They put a mean on them, and uh, I mean, you can also move really well. So I, it, it's a good good matchup from that perspective. But ultimately, you know, you, you're never going to stop a guy like Anthony Davis. All you can hope for is that is, is that Aminu does a good enough job to kind of slow him down. But it's also going to have to be a team effort where uh, you know they've got to trust that Aminu's got it. They have to try and not double. And not let the you know the Pels kind of you know get loose from three because I think that's kind of the worst thing that you could hope for is you know Davis is going to be a monster but you don't want to invite a bunch of open three pointers 
And I, I know that the Pelicans, you know, especially to guys like Miritich, and, and they're going to have to watch for that and be very disciplined with their defense against Davis. I think that's going to be a concern, uh, a bit, a big, big concern. Yeah, I mean, Davis is just a matchup nightmare for everyone, and he just won Western Conference Player of the Month, giving him back-to-back for March and April, and I don't think anyone wants to have to go against that guy. It's going to be an interesting battle, though. These guys in Lillard and Davis were drafted near each other in the same first round in the same draft, and it's going to kind of be fun because these two teams have never matched up before in the playoffs with it uh, with each other. So let me ask you about the bench. You touched on Ed Davis, but who else do they bring in with the second unit, and how have they been effective? Um, I, I think it, Evan Turner has, has been a, a, a reserve for a lot of the season, but he's starting right now because of Mo Harkless. But Harkless could come back uh, you know, when the series shifts scenes to New Orleans. He could he could be back by then, and that Evan Turner coming off the bench has been really solid for them. Uh, another guy that has been really solid for them has been Shabazz Napier, who in this matchup with a you know very guard heavy team with the Pelicans, uh, I think is going to get, is going to have a major role in this series. And I think we're going to see a lot of the Blazers going to three guard lineups with Napier, Lillard, and CJ McCollum. That I think is definitely going to happen, especially with how many uh, guards the the, the Pelicans play. And and then another guy that um, I think could also maybe just because he has some length, he is pretty quick. And I think he's a little bit better of a matchup. Uh, you know, maybe Zach Collins could get some some time against Anthony Davis because he's one of the better, you know, true athletes on this team. And um, he's been really solid for the past, like, two months. I I think a lot of people were really hard on the Blazers, including myself, for not picking Donovan Mitchell with the 10th pick and going with Collins because Collins barely played. But uh, he and Davis together have been very good uh, over the last two months, three months, and he gotten better every single day he's become a very he is a very good three-point shooter for his size and i think could be a factor in this series And i think the most encouraging thing is that he kind of has uh he's more aware defensively than i think most guys his age are he's only 20 but he already knows and anticipates things better than most big men his age so that's another reason why i could see him getting minutes in the playoffs especially against davis if Nurk or Aminu or Davis get in foul trouble, or even if not, because he has length and he also is really advanced in his understanding of defense. Yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting matchup, though. Napier and Ian Clark coming off the bench, who's coming back kind of from injury, but put up 11 points the other night. He's been really key for New Orleans in that reserve role, trying to give them kind of a scoring punch because the bench doesn't really have much scoring potential there without him. And if you throw him out there with some shooters in Solomon Hill, if he's in the corner, if he's going to be in the rotation, it should be kind of iffy. But then Darius Miller, who shot you know very well from three so far this year, um, over 41%. You know, so it, it's one of those things where, you know, there's clear matchups for each team, I think, when it comes to the bench units. you got the rebounding in the front court there, and then the Pels might have the shooting in the back court. But the three-man, the three-guard lineup for Portland's going to be very interesting because the Pels want to go small and kind of want you to go small against them. And as you said, these are what make the playoffs a whole lot of fun because you kind of see these contrasting styles and then the chess game that gets put into it trying to take on each other. 
So before we wrap up everything, again, it's the playoffs. There's a lot going on. It's tough to keep track of everything. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked on NBA five days a week. Going to be covering everything you need to know with the NBA playoffs. I just lost my notes, and I will edit this out. Um, is there anything else you, you want to touch on? Oh, no, yeah, I, I, I do want to touch on, you know, with, with regards to Rondo, I mean, I'm it, Rondo and Ian Clark had two things. Ian Clark, uh, in his past with the Warriors, has actually, you know, been a big guy that Steve Kerr would throw out to guard Damian Lillard. And I think that, you know, uh, having a bunch of guys that you can throw at Dame, I think is a, a very big thing. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Clark get a lot, a lot of time because uh, of his past guarding Lillard uh, in, in other playoff series. So I think he'll definitely get a shot there. But w- with Rondo, I mean, is there fear on, on your end that, that the Blazers might just say, hey, go ahead and shoot and just completely leave him? Like, do something like, you know, and, and how, I mean, I only saw him last night, but when he's out there with Holiday, I mean, who's doing most of the work? Is it Rondo that he has the ball in his hands more because he's not really a threat to shoot? Yeah, it, it's a bit of both. At first, it was Rondo kind of taking over the, the, the point guard duties, if you want to call it that, being the lead guard. And Holiday was shifting more to an off-ball role. And then I think they realized that didn't work as much because Holiday's much more effective when he's just being aggressive with the ball in his hand and can go at the rim and just drive and try and score that way. And he shoots a very good percentage at the rim. He has a way of just kind of being shifty and in control when he goes in. Rondo, though, you know, he does a lot of just the Rondo playmaking things. That dude sees geometry on the court that I don't think anyone else is really capable of and when it comes to him it's about managing him and making sure you're getting the best Rondo possible and you've seen Alvin Gentry do a really good job with that this year they benched him at times when he was in the midst of a bad streak and he came back with a renewed intensity so and then recently they've asked Drew Holiday to take on more of the playmaking duties that Rondo has to try and get their offense moving a little bit more this Pelicans offense thrives on off-ball movement passes they're one of the top teams in assists per game you see a lot of ball movement and when that starts to go away they become very predictable very easy to defend so right now you're kind of in the midst of seeing both rondo and holiday trade off which makes this a very annoying team to play because you don't know where the ball is going to go and it's where do you put your best perimeter defender do you throw it on rondo with the playmaking he can do or do you throw it on drew holiday and try and slow him down and prevent him from getting to the rim and then making those kick out passes no, that's going to be really interesting. And I, I, you know, game one is always, and especially for the thing that we just mentioned. I mean, we talked about that New Orleans game in March, and uh, Rondo didn't even play in that game. So I don't even know if, if the the Blazers staff or the Pelicans staff, or at least the Blazers staff, can really even figure out, uh, you know, kind of get ahead of a game plan for Rondo and what he's going to do to this team because they haven't really faced it. And so that, that's a really interesting wrinkle to me in this, you know, ahead of game one is that uh, there's not really a lot of usable film for either, t- or for, especially for Portland, on how they're going to go against this Pelicans team. And, I mean, I guess they can use it for what they might do with, say, Miritich, who, uh, you know, I, I think is a really interesting player because I think, I mean, he was really, I, I'd like to talk about him before we wrap up. I, I mean, he was really brought in to kind of, you know, in the wake of the boogie injury to kind of give some shooting and just really boost this team. I mean, 
Uh, how do you feel about him coming into the series? Do you, do you, do you think he's ready for it? Do you, have you liked what you've seen from him? I mean, what, what's your, because I think he's going to be a very important player because whether he starts knocking down some shots, I think it's going to be a huge part of this series. Well, he's on fire right now. So he, after the trade, was playing okay and then kind of went into a bit of a funk and a cold stretch for a little bit. And that was a big concern. And then he shaved off his beard and looks like a new person. And apparently that's made all of the difference. And since then, he's gone over 20 points per game over the last five that the Pelicans are on this five-game winning streak on, including, I think, two 30-point performances. And the way he impacts the game, I find very interesting. Again, I'm really worried about rebounding for the Pels in this series. But Mirotic right now over his past three, I think, is averaging like 14 and a half rebounds per game. And I think that's where he might make an impact, too. He also spaces the court properly for Anthony Davis. And on this stretch he's been on right now, you've got to throw someone on the perimeter on him. Otherwise, he's going to get a wide-open three, and there's a very good chance of knocking it down. But he impacts the game more than just that. And I think he's going to be a really key player. He's been starting for the Pelicans instead of coming off the bench. I think you're going to see that be the case as well. I don't think you'll see really a Mecca Okafor in this series whatsoever even though maybe it's the right idea at times to throw him out there to kind of handle Nurkic a little bit and free up Anthony Davis to be the terror on defense but you know Miritich is capable of doing that as well so he's going to have a pretty big impact and if his shot's falling it's going to be even greater and that could be kind of what the Pelicans need to get them over the hump here. No, and you just touched on something before I I, I know we don't want to go too too much further but I do want to talk about you know, how, how soon do you think they'll go to Davis at center? Because I feel like that's going to be an eventual point in this series where they just decide to go that way. I mean, do you think they do that game one? Or to, to try, or do you think they try and match up with Nurkic first and then maybe try and go to that? No, I think riding this five-game winning streak, which has been a starting lineup of Rondo, Drew, Etwan Moore, Miritich, and Davis is what they're going to do. And I'm encouraged by the fact that Portland might go with more three-guard lineups because the Pelicans have had some trouble defending the wing position with each one more being slightly undersized and out of position there. And if you throw another guard out there, kind of, okay, this is perfect. This is what we want. But I think they're going to run Davis at center. You know, he doesn't like it. It's more center on defense than anything. Offensively, he's all over the place. He's got range from three. You'll see him kind of doing a number of different things out there. But it's really defensively, how do they use him? And I don't think they want him matched up with Nurkic. Uh, I think he'll try and save his body a little bit more he's going to play heavy heavy minutes in this and the last thing they need is for an injury to catch him from playing a more physical type of guy uh, because that's how you take 80 out of games really if you stay very physical with him so it's going to be interesting you know I think he'd be a very good dark horse candidate for defensive player of the year with the blocks and the steals and everything he's had so they, they might surprise me and still throw him out there guarding Nurkic because I think that's really one of the key guys in this series but yeah I don't think you're going to see much of Okafor I don't think you're going to see much of Czech Diallo I think the big rotation is going to be a lot of AD, a lot of Miritich. You'll see Solomon Hill play at the four a little bit. But, I mean, it's going to be the AD show. That's No, that, that's really interesting. The point you made about Moore, I guess maybe this would be like the last point. You know, the point you make about Moore in the three-guard lineup is interesting because now, you know, Stotts is going to have a really interesting uh, choice. I, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a dilemma because I think, he, you know, he, he's fine with both options. But, they're going to start Evan Turner, and I think um, you know the, the the thing that you mentioned about the Pelicans and the size. Uh, Turner has been probably Portland's best post player all year, and and I can see Portland going to Evan Turner a lot if if they think that they see a size 
mismatch in the post with a guy like Moore on Turner. So I think maybe not necessarily shooting every time out of the post, but it wouldn't be the worst option for them. Uh, and so I think that's going to be a really interesting choice that Scott has in this series starting on Saturday is, you know, do they work out of the post with Turner and, and go there or do they try and space out and go three guards or, you know, I, I think they have a, a, a lot of different ways that they can kind of approach this, which uh, is good um, for, for Portland's sake, I think. Yeah. It- it's it's fun to talk about this because we're looking at it almost like it's a chess match. I say something, you've got like the counter, which I think is really interesting with all of this. And, yeah. you know, if you throw Turner there, that's when I think you're going to try and take Davis off of Nurkic and then get him to roam around. But they've done a lot this year that's made Davis an absolute monster defensively. If you look at his block chart, he blocks shots all over the court. It's not just around the rim because when he's freed up to kind of roam around a little bit, which is what he did at Kentucky coming into the NBA when he was an absolute monster there, when you throw Okafor or um, Miritich taking the bigger center and AD can roam a little bit, that's when he gets kind of scary and can get really disruptive with everything. So, you know, maybe you do want to play a guy like Okafor more to free up AD to kind of, you know, just use that wingspan and those long arms to block everything he, he single-handedly can. And, and as you said, you know, there's four games so far this year, but there's only one we really want to look at in terms of predictability and using it to kind of predict the future here. And even then, it doesn't factor in a ton. AD was certain that there was no Rondo. Evan Turner got heavy run in that. But that might not have much bearing on what we're going to see in this series. No, it, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild that there's really no tape. Uh, and, and also, too, you know, nobody knew that these teams, I mean, obviously teams have been working on this stuff, you know, way ahead of time and, you know, preparing for which teams they might face. But, you know, ultimately, there's not going to be like a whole lot of usable prep here for either team, which is, is, is makes game one uh, even more important, I guess, because it, I think both teams, at least for, given the Blazers in the past, they usually kind of, go out game one with kind of not a vanilla game plan, but which is like a very basic game plan. And then game two is when they really go to the adjustments. And I think both teams are kind of in the same boat for that. So I'm excited for game one because it's going to be a really kind of like a feel out, you know, type of game, you know, kind of early in the boxing match, so to speak. Yeah, primetime game, Saturday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. So again, make sure everyone is following us on Twitter. It's Eric with a K, underscore Gunderson, S-E-N, and then I'm at Nola Jake. Eric, we're going to have to get together once we see some of what's gone on in this series and, and touch base again and get an update for everyone because I think this one, out of all of the first-round series, might be the most interesting. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's going to be very interesting. Contrasting styles, all of it, it's going to be fun. So we should definitely do it again uh, later on in the series.